Hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning into the Wayne Bang Podcast. This is your host, Amir Wayne, coming to you with a very exciting episode today, talking self-commitments with my very good friend, George Wu. Uh, George has recently started a blog called The Funnel. Uh, definitely check it out. The link is in the episode description below. Now, before we get started, I just want to talk to you about a project that uh, myself, George, and uh, a couple of other members of the Ewing Bang family have gotten into. Um, the six of us have committed to running 2019 miles uh, before now until the beginning of the year 2019. Um, this started as just a means for us to get some exercise and commit to doing something, uh, but we actually decided to take this up to another level. Uh, what we need is your help. Um, we're asking friends and family to make pledge donations uh, to the Jug Life Foundation. The Jug Life Foundation is a foundation that brings uh, clean water resources to third world countries or countries in need. Now, the way the pledge system would work is that if we do make uh, our goal of running 2019 miles, you would make your pledged donation directly to the Jug Life Foundation or through us. However, if the six of us do not make our goal of 2019 miles, we will make the donation on your behalf. It's a great way for us to stay committed uh, and be dedicated to a good cause. So uh, more information is going to come. We're going to be releasing a, a website as well as a newsletter in the coming weeks. So definitely check it out. And now some inspiring words from David Goggins. I saw myself as the weakest person God ever created. He had to have a goal. My goal was the only person that's going to turn this person around is me. The only way I can turn it around is put myself through the worst things possible a human being can ever endure. And that would be the only way that I can build this brain to handle anything that comes in front of it, callousing my mind right. through pain and suffering. All right, on the phone I have a new guest, a very good childhood friend of mine that I've known since I was nine years old, a man who introduced me to the wonders of the Maury Povich show, the tricky master himself, <laughs> Dr. George Wu. How's it going, man? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, it's good to have you on. I mean, we, we've been talking uh, for a while to have you on the podcast or something, and I think with the uh, EWB 2019 Miles to Water project, we finally have something to talk about. And now I've told listeners already about the goals of the project, uh, both personal fitness and financial. However, I haven't really gone into the real inspiration behind uh, this whole shindig. You've recently started a blog, and one of the blog posts really caught my eye. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your blog? Yeah, sure. Um, so the blog is really just sort of just a personal blog, really sort of more just self-expression, so that organize my thoughts. And um, it's really about like sharing insights that I've read online, you know, or read in books, or maybe listened to in a podcast, and anything that sort of inspires me to write. Um, originally, I intended it to be mainly about like financial advice because I've been doing a lot of research on that, and I just wanted to sort of put my thoughts down on paper. Um, but I've sort of just expanded it to be more general now. To be honest, it's actually only been two posts, um, but I'm glad that I finally got started. I've been saying for a while that I've always wanted to do it. Um, Miranda and my coworkers, they've heard this 
a bunch of times over maybe the past two years that I f- would want to start it, start a blog. So I'm very glad that I finally got it started. Uh, I, you know, uh, from a personal level, I, I was surprised that, you know, the, the, when you first told me about this blog, that you had wanted it to be a focus on, uh, on financial stuff, because you, you know, you know, you're a master at Starcraft, dude. Like, <laughs> ranked ranked worldwide in the three on three Starcraft uh, uh, Starcraft division. Um, a lot of uh, you know Starcraft blogs have actually casted your matches. Um, yeah, it's 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 been a while since I played Starcraft. So, and also I felt like you know if I if I was to write about Starcraft, I'm not sure how many people would benefit these days especially the games sort of like haven't, people haven't played in a while i guess dude those um, fucking koreans man the koreans over there they, yeah they, dude they, they still go at it i was gonna say they put your shit up on espn <laughs> they play um they still play starcraft one because they think oh, it's no like shit. a better game yeah well it is a better game <laughs> that's true that's true zerg rush all day baby <laughs> eight computers right <laughs> Well, didn't mean to digress, but the <laughs> eight com- eight computers. <laughs> oh man, I'm, for the listeners out there, there's uh, there was a time when I tried to learn StarCraft, totally sucked at it. Uh, so George was trying to train me to be better, and you know, me and him tried to take on eight computers, and within minutes, my uh, Terran base was overrun. But I was able to up. Uh, what's it called when you lift your buildings out? Yeah. You just like fly it over. Yeah, you could you could actually lift your buildings out and fly it over. So I was able to fly it over into George's uh, George's base, and he protected me the rest of the match while while I watched him annihilate eight computers. It was, it was pretty glorious. So good times, good times. Yeah, good times in high school. Um, so I didn't mean to digress because uh, your first post was about some uh, financial insight, which was which was really helpful. Uh, but it was the second post uh, that really inspired me to think about, okay, creating a program, uh, some kind of fitness regimen that we should commit to. And, you know, raising money kind of was, was a side thing that came after that. And in later episodes, I'll, I'll, go, I'll be talking about that. But the concept of developing a regimen that we have to commit to is something that's that that I haven't really thought much about uh, in my adult life, to be honest. And you know, the blog post that you made was was really interesting, and it talked about roots of why us as adults have these issues of finding some kind of commitment and the value of a commitment. Um, but also talk through some of the inspirations that you had to to start thinking about this. So, so why don't you talk a little bit about the article paying the price? So first of all, yeah, no, I'm really glad to hear that um, through reading the post that uh, you felt motivated or inspired to start the 2019 Miles for Water project. I think it's a great project, and and you know you're always very good about like taking these sort of thoughts and ideas and like putting them into action like your podcast. Um, I think that's very, uh, very, very cool thing. Um, so, okay. So how, how, why did I write about the post and why I was inspired to write about the post? So what happened was I was browsing around online one day and I came across this YouTube video with this guy called Jesse Itzler. And it turns he's basically an entrepreneur. So like Zico coconut water, he's actually one of the owners of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and this guy basically was talking to Joe Rogan's on his podcast and he was talking about how he invited a Navy SEAL 
to live with him for a month. And he ended up writing a book about it. It was a crazy story. And basically what he said that was um, he saw this guy show up at one of those ultra marathon runs where it's like a hundred mile run and you try to do that in 24 hours it's just like one loop that's is one mile and you just keep going and going and he showed up with like six of his friends that are all ultra endurance runners and this guy his name's david goggins he just shows up by himself and it was, it was crazy and then so basically he saw him running he's like man i want to know more about this guy and have him come live with me and share with him like what he does daily to, to, to be able to do this. And so the first time uh, David Goggins shows up, he, um, the first exercise that they do is they basically go for the three-mile run, and it goes fine because he can run a lot. He comes back, and he asks him to do pull-ups. He says, okay, how many pull-ups can you do? Let's go to the gym. So they go to the gym, and he starts doing pull-ups. He's like, okay, try to bang out like 20 pull-ups. So he goes, and he gets like maybe like 10 or 12 done. He feels you know, pretty good. He's, pretty, he's he's not so young. So he's like, yeah, that's already much better than other people. And David's like, okay, can you, you know, take like 20 seconds and then go again and then, and try to bang out like five more, as many as you can do. So he does that, does it again, jumps down, does like five more and finds, okay, one more time. So there's one more time. He does like two or three and he's done maybe like 22 pull-ups in total. And he's thinking, okay, now we're done. He's measured this out. He gets an idea of my fitness and then we're going to go back. But instead this David Gotten guy says, okay, now we're going to start, and what we're going to do is we're going to stay here until you do 100 more pull-ups. <laughs> and so he's like, I'm already done. Like, I can't do 100 more pull-ups. He's like, no, if you want to do this with me, we're going to stay here and do 100 more pull-ups. So he basically spends, like, I think the next hour and a half and just one pull-up at a time grinding through it. That experience is just sort of like a testimony to what David Goggins has been doing with his life, which is basically pushing your body and using your mental mind to train yourself to explore the limits of your potential by pushing past when you usually you would quit. Yeah, and, and David Goggins, I um, and maybe you were going to go into this, but I mean, this guy David Goggins used to be mentally dis he is mentally disabled. He has a learning disability. Was three hundred pounds at one point, working at a at a dead end job, and one day just mentally willed himself to become fit. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, he was, uh, he had all those things. He was, uh, physically abused by his father when he was younger. His father was kind of like a pimp and, like, worked on when he's, like, six years old to, like, scrape gum off of their skating rink and stuff. And he was always beaten down by his dad. And he always, um, like, he always gave up. Like, his dream was to become a Navy SEAL, but every time he tried, he would fail, gain a lot of weight. His, his job was to basically kill cockroaches, and he was really down on life. And if you go and listen to that podcast, he starts talking about when he made that decision that he, he wants to make a change and the step-by-step -step continuously pushing and refusing to quit that eventually set him off on his path where he lost weight, became a Navy SEAL, um, and started doing these crazy impossible feats, which are like, you know, like that whole 100 mile in 24 hours. He himself did 100 miles in 17 hours, and he basically like was going to die after it. Yeah. It's crazy. And then I, I, there's another record he has. It's like 209 miles in 48 hours or, or something bonkers. Yeah. Like, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And and not just that, right? Yeah, I think you, you had mentioned pull-ups, his mm -hmm. uh, some insane pull-up record. Uh, I forget how many. It was like 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, but basically the world record. And he tried three times. And the first time that he tried, um, he kept going until his like forearm like ripped. <laughs> and it popped out basically and he had to quit 
because he was just continuously going. And the second time, I think he had like a hand blister because you're always on the same point of contact and it just like looked like it was tore apart. So he had to stop again. And finally, the third time he, he made it. Man, if your arm gets torn open from doing pull-ups, how long yeah. does it take for you to come back and like... Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like all throughout, like yeah. he just physically gets demolished and somehow he's able to keep going. And it's like, what is he thinking in his mind? Like, and he constantly says like, oh, I'm not a like sadistic. Like I don't enjoy pain. I'm not crazy. I do this for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that podcast was really interesting because he talks about... Um, you know, the, his motivation, I, I don't, I don't want to say it's his motivation, but his, um, his source of inspiration is looking back at his beaten down self. And, and that's kind of what, you know, what, what he preaches. He's like, always go back to that, that weak person that you were and, and just, and from there you push yourself, you remind yourself about how far you've come and how much you can accomplish from there. And I think that's pretty powerful stuff. Definitely. Yeah, he talks about being introspective. He uses those pain moments in the past to sort of power him to push himself forward. And one thing he does talk about is trying to be, he sort of started to put a positive light on the stuff in the past. And he'd ask himself when he's really down and wants to quit, he says, what if I was able to accomplish this at this point in time? Like, what if I was able to be able to get in shape when I was 300 pounds? Can you imagine how inspirational or motivational motivational that would be for other people and for myself and that's how he would use his down moments and sort of push mm -hmm. himself to challenge himself to do more so you you see this uh you see these articles listen to these podcasts about uh, uh this eisman uh, eisner fellow and uh, and also david goggins and from there you started reflecting on yourself you wanted to go run some ultra marathons <laughs> <laughs> Is is the 20, uh, 2019 miles challenge not enough for you, George? Are you going to run it by yourself? Is that, is that your plan? No, no, no. 2009. Uh, my, my share is more than enough. I got to start slow. <laughs> I'm not, not an ultra endurance athlete and I haven't exercised in a while. No, what, after, so after hearing that, I was really motivated. And I, I basically thought to myself, like, you know, I don't know how many years ever since I graduated, say maybe undergrad, it's like every year I'll be like, oh, I'm going to get in better shape. Oh, I'm going to go exercise. And by years and I haven't done shit. And then I'm like gaining weight, getting more unhealthy, you know, and it's like. Yeah, I didn't want to tell you, but last time you looked a little fat, dude. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> so I was like, what, what am I waiting for? Like if, so the thing was they did this, that, that whole thing in a month. And the guy said he felt in his best shape after that month because they were doing like two a day runs or three a day runs. And they were just going at it. And I'm like, what am I waiting for? Like month by month goes by. Like I should be able to get on the treadmill or do what I need to do to start exercising. And I was like, I, I just had to capsulate that feeling. And I was thinking a lot about that. So I just had to get it down and kind of share it. But but your blog post, Paying the Price, isn't really just about you know being motivated. It also kind of explores um, us growing up as Asian American the children, uh, first generation Amer Asian American men who, you know, our upbringing was wildly different than, you know, what our parents went through. Uh, and you talk about how us being forced to you know, do things we didn't want to do, like play piano, play violin. Uh, you know, I, I went through probably a watered down version of what you had to do because my parents let me give up on piano after four years. You had to go through piano and violin. Um, 
Yeah, and you talk about how that's affected your ability to uh, make these, you know, make these commitments in adult life. And I found that pretty interesting. I, I think it'd be interesting for you to share your experiences about that. So when I was thinking about the blog post, I, yeah, I tied that to what I remember about self-discipline as a kid. And the one that came up was um, playing violin. And so for me, how it worked was I know all Asian kids do some instruments. So I started out playing piano. Um, and I think I did that for like three or four years. It was pretty good, but I didn't practice enough. You know, as a kid, you don't practice enough. No one wants to practice. So my parents were like, okay, we're not shelling all this money for you to not practice. And so they stopped piano lessons. And then six months later, like a short while later, all of a sudden out of the blue, one afternoon, my dad's like, okay, you're going to violin lessons. I'm like, uh, okay. I didn't even know we had a violin, but basically <laughs> we were going to get a violin. I was going to start learning violin. Um, and I had no choice in the matter. And violin, Thanks, Michael Jin, concert master Michael Jin. <laughs> yeah, Michael Jin's amazing at violin. He had to go through a lot of pain, a lot of you know experiences. But, but isn't isn't he why like your parents are like, oh yeah, they, I guess George has to play violin too because Mikey's doing it. <laughs> so the reasons why we're one is my dad actually uh, sort of played violin when he was younger, and he really liked that. And the mm -hmm. second one was they're like, oh. If you don't win an award playing piano, like, how's that going to help you with college apps? At least with a violin, you can go join a youth orchestra, and you can put that down. Yeah. Or if you're like Mikey, you can be like concert master, which is even better. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so so I started playing, and um, I realized I didn't really like it too much, but I didn't have a choice to stop. So my parents were saying, you have to do this basically until you get into orchestra, you finish call apps, then we'll let you stop. And so I just grinded through for four or five years playing violin. In a sense, it made me really dislike violin, which was the downside. The positive side, I guess, was um, I did learn how to have grit or grind through things, to push through things when, you're, um, when, you, when you need to. Um, the, the thing that I, I specifically wanted to note about it was that um, when I was going through this process, it was really, I was being forced to do this. So it was something that I had to do. I understood this helps me develop grit and it was good for my college apps, but it wasn't because I was making this choice to be self-disciplined. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big difference in terms of the way to think about it and what I was sort of getting from Dave Goggins' podcast that we can sort of go into more later. Um, yeah, I, I think, like I said, I, my, my parents were pretty chill when it came to realizing that the ceiling of their their two sons' talent when it came to really anything we did, you know, whether it's music or or basketball or you know, my brother played soccer, he's a track field guy, also uh, speech and debate, you know, all, scouts. I, I guess you could say, you know, we we did okay in there. I mean, in the end, everybody walks out with their Eagle Scout anyway, but um, we definitely made the most out of that experience. So my parents. If there was anything my parents pushed hard on, uh, they really pushed us hard to, to to be committed to that, be dedicated, and to succeed in that. I mean, they didn't even make us finish Chinese school. Like, how, mm. how fucking sad is that? Like, we're <laughs> like Chinese school is like the easiest thing to do, and both of us got to tenth, eleventh grade, and we just couldn't, you know, we couldn't make it past the finish line. I mean, granted, it's not like we would have come out of Chinese school with. You know, not like our those extra two years of Chinese school would have made us stellar Chinese speakers because, you know, my Zolan's still pretty shitty. But they, 
it, just the fact that you know my parents never forced me to finish that it, you know looking back at that is a little surprising um but kind of tying your experiences with uh you know mine and and once again mine were a very very watered down version of your you know your violining um you know the fact that we were kind of forced into making these commitments without us having the opportunity to really evaluate if it was something we wanted to do. Um, it, it It's kind of a, I, I say it affected me in my early adult life. And it's a really, you know, entitled, like American born sort of thing to do when we stand up, pound our chest and say, I do what, you know, I do what I want to do. And, you know, that that's how I'll learn, you know, value, like that's how I'll develop values or whatever. Um, whereas, you know, our, our parents, you know, our parents' generation, especially yours, since they, you know, they came from China, had to deal with the Cultural Revolution, their path to success was pretty damn clear cut. It was be the top 10% of the class or else you're working in the fields for Mao Zedong. (laughs) And that is just the level of success or that's how they understand achieving success, which um, I think, you know, created a huge gap between us and our parents because, you know, we're land of the free, you know, do what we want watch all these movies about, you know, children going off on their own and living their dreams, becoming, you know, dancers or whatever. And at the end of the movie, their parents is coming terms, coming to terms with, you know, whatever decision they made, you know, that that's all well and good in the movies, but that's not something our parents would understand. So, um, so I, I think, you know, we kind of, and I'm rambling on, but I, I think tying it back to our adult life, there's a lot of things that we, that we think about that we know are good for us, right? Like okay, exercise is good for us. Uh, eating salads is good for us. Uh, saving money is good for us, right? All of these mm-hmm. things we know are good for us. Just mm-hmm. like when we were younger, studying was good for us. You know, extracurriculars were good for us, but being able to commit to these things because we were told that they're good for us. I don't think we were able to develop the ability to commit until much later. And even now, you know, there's certain things that, that I do that like, you know, even eating, it's like, I'm still a slave to like drinking Cokes all the time because they're fucking delicious, but I'm like, <laughs> you know, 40 grams of sugar per can is definitely not good for me, but I, I still haven't uh, sacked up and committed to giving that up. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's, so yeah. So I think that that's the thing is I was wondering to myself, like, I feel like I've been through this experience where my parents pushed me to do this and I sort of ha- should have had developed some self-discipline, but then why did I find it so hard in, say, later adult life for me to do simple things like maybe carry out your New Year resolution or exercise or you know do things that would be good for you? So so I was always wondering to myself, what was it that um, that I missed or am missing, even though I had these experiences in which I sort of had a chance to develop a lot of self-discipline? And I think what it was, was really the framework um, that David Goggins or Jesse Itzler were approaching life through self-discipline. So so what I mean is this. So I'm going to go very high level here. So bear with me. So after listening to that podcast and thinking about it and making a post, I realized that self-discipline, you know, it's important. But I now feel it's the single most important skill that is going to determine whether or not you will become successful. So what I mean is this is so we all have 
you know, beautiful ideas of what success looks like and what we want. So we see someone else, maybe they have a really cool car and we want that, or they have a great job, or they have great friends and family, they're very popular and respected, and we all want those things for ourselves. But what we don't ask ourselves enough is what is the price that they had to pay to achieve that, right? We focus on all the great things that they have, but what is it that they did day by day, the hard work, the effort, the commitment that was required for them to get there? And so it really boils down to this quote that I wrote in the um, blog post that I, that I read online is, if you want success, figure out the price and then pay it. If you want success, you want to figure out what that price is and then take those steps, step by step, to pay it. And the paying out part is where self-discipline is absolutely crucial. So let's assume that you know what you want and you've wait, done your research. Right. The yeah. paying out part is yes. Yes. the hardest part. What do you mean the yes. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, I guess paying for. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So the day by day actions that you need to take in order to arrive at success, that part of paying that, is the hardest part to do. And whenever we run into difficulties, it's so often that we stop. So let's assume that you know what you want, um, and you've done the research or consulted the right people to sort of figure out, okay, this is where I want to go, and this is what I need to do. And you focused on um, the price that you need to pay, and it's sort of well defined. On what you need to pay then the then really what it boils down to is just taking the action step by step to pay that price daily um, and the idea is as you're paying this price daily if you're patient don't rush yourself these steps will compound step by step as you go through each day you'll get better and it's sort of like an exponential sort of sort of sort of function or, or transformation where it, it grows exponentially fast, so it's not just a step-by-step. -step. And altogether, when you look back after a long period of time, it's truly something transformative. So a very good example of this is people who um, want to participate in the Olympics and they say they want to win the gold. So what they do really for um, every single day in their life is they hire a coach, and they say maybe they want to run the fast. They want to be like Usain Bolt. And he needs to have a fully fleshed-out, detailed plan from, okay, this is when the Olympics is, how much training, what are training goals I need to do um, this year or this month, what races I need to race, by what times, and translate that all the way down into what do I need to do every day? I wake up at this time, what food do I need to eat? What training do I need to do? What do I need to improve on that my coach tells me? So it becomes a day-by-day -day activity, and then they go and do it. And they keep that big picture in mind, and they take the self-discipline, and they do that stuff every day no matter how hard it is no matter how hard how much they want to quit and they keep going at it and the people who are able to do that aside from your natural born talent have the best chance of getting a goal um and what we or what i feel like i had a problem with was those daily tasks of starting something up like a blog or writing you know typing out the first few words for a blog once you get stuck it's so easy to quit you know you just feel oh, i'm lazy i'm tired i'm gonna do it tomorrow and you say, I'm going to do it tomorrow. You keep pushing it off. And then eventually you don't do it for so long. You forgot you even had the goal in the first place. And it's that self-discipline, that motivation, that grit to get it started and to keep doing that. Um, the difference between what I'm talking about now is what I, and what I think I was doing when I was a kid was someone else was requiring me to be self-disciplined. And I was forcing myself to do it. And I didn't think about it from an overall framework of why am I doing this and that I choose to do this. I choose to pay that price because I want the success rather than someone saying, hey, 
you need to pay this price because this is a success that I want for you. Right, right. And and really the I think as as younger adolescents we're we're more worried about being punished than what mm-hmm. kind of the long term reward is, right? It, it's a lot easier for us to see the small picture, the immediate you know, the immediate resolve, oh, you know, if I practice I can go play Nintendo or I can go out and play basketball with my friends. Uh, so that's why I do these things. It, it's like we understand kind of from a almost from a very, very superficial level that, yeah, it'll help us. You know, we're going to be we can be talented musicians or whatever. But as you said, we're we're not we're not really embracing everything if we don't make that choice for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and to go back, for example, like, um, OK, so after I made the post, um I, I don't run too much. <laughs> I don't run too often. I have a half marathon coming up that I need to practice for. <laughs> but yeah, your post, you committed to running three miles every morning. So come yes. on, what happened to that? So I did. So I woke up. I woke up at 7.30 a.m. I was really motivated and went and tried to run three miles. And so when I wanted to... When the to... fuck do you get to work? I'm at work by 7.30 already. You wake up at 7.30, run three miles, take a shower, and go to work? Yeah, yeah. So I usually leave um, around uh, when the family lane opens, so there's less traffic. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so I do have the time in the morning to run then. Um, but the thing was, uh, so running, like, for example, the way I was thinking about running was, okay, I need self-discipline to get myself to run every day. So I get healthy. So self-discipline is a means to an end, right? I'm being uncomfortable and having the self-discipline to deal with that discomfort so I can enjoy the quote-unquote comfort or, uh, you know, the feeling of being healthy, right? But the framework of David Goggins, for example, isn't quite that. What it is is that running is uh, self-discipline isn't a means to an end. It is almost the end itself. So he sort of recognizes that self-discipline is an absolutely crucially important skill. And so when I thought about running in the morning, what it was is running is a means for me to train that skill. So what I really wanted to focus on when I was running was when I got to the point of wanting to quit and my body was saying it wanted to quit, what was I thinking then? How was I feeling? And then taking that step one step further and saying, no, you know, mind shut up. We got to keep going. I'm going to do these three miles nonstop. And so it's using that as a means to train my my my, my own self-discipline skills. Because I, I, I realize that every time that when I go there and push past it, I'm improving my own self-discipline skills so that in other situations, maybe in the workplace or in your life, when you hit a struggle, when you hit a tough time and you need the grit to go through, I can push back my mind to that, that moment and, and take that um, experience that I've learned to help push me past those challenges. Right. So, so it's something to revert back to, to, to almost remind yourself that, you know, you, you have the grit to succeed. You've done this before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not just about the comfort. What it is, is actually, it's about the discomfort. It's when we are uncomfortable, that's when we're growing. That's when we're changing. If we want to stay the same, you can be comfortable, but you're not changing. You're not growing. And if you think about it, when you're born in this life, you're not going to stay as a baby. You know, you're, you're going to grow, get older, and experience all these things, and everything is changing. And part of that changing is those discomfort, those uncomfortable experiences in which you're growing. And that's where I feel you also get a lot of meaning in your life. But that's more, 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 more bigger thing. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's really powerful stuff. And I, I think you know you've already touched on this with you know, approaching the, these kinds of activities, these whatever you're trying to persevere through, whether it's running, weightlifting, or practicing the piano. You know, reverting back to these I these moments where you had to push yourself just a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. You know, those moments are a reward in itself. You know, th- seeing that in that mindset is kind of a, a motivation to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any other tips for uh, self-motivation? Are there any other mind tricks that you've found yeah. yourself doing over the years? Tips. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. So um, one thing that I learned um, just briefly the week I was starting to put this into practice running in the morning before I got sick and I paused for a while um, was I noticed like how easy it is for my brain to tell myself to quit. So next time you do this, whatever you're doing, let's say you're running and you get to the point uh, where you're starting to feel tired or you're hitting that first wall. My brain is saying it's finding anything I can. So, for example, maybe I'm wearing a sweater and it's getting hot. I'm starting to sweat. My mind will be like, hey, George, you need to stop. You need to take off that sweater. Pause. Pause. Take a break. Oh, oh, your shoelace looks like it's about to come untied. Or, or George, why are you pushing yourself so hard? It's early in the morning. You got work later. It comes up with a billion excuses to get me to stop. And then I'm so surprised that like I didn't realize how easy it is for my brain to do that. And so when I've been running, I've been realizing that this is occurring. So then now I've been trying to tell myself, no, I got to keep going. And what I found is when I do that, um, sometimes it gets painful. Sometimes it's really hard to hold there. Um, so the trick that I found for running was um, – if you're not already distracting yourself, what I do is I just counted. I just counted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then go back to two. And I went from one all the way up to a hundred, back down to one, and I think I was able to run like an extra mile and a half nonstop, just going like this. Basically, so do you count yeah. aimlessly. <laughs> I literally <laughs> count aimlessly. <laughs> and the reason why is I want to get my brain out of those feelings and those thoughts. And it's almost like a meditative experience is you need to bring yourself into the present and just focus on taking those steps, not in pain and ignoring all that feeling and just moving forward. And for me, it was just aimlessly counting for others. Maybe you think of some memory in the past that's painful that helps you push further. Um, But that counting thing was what is my go-to thing now, basically. (laughs) That is that is such a random, <laughs> random tip, but I, I can actually see it working for many people. But I, for me, my tip for those people who you know need a little bit more more motivation is uh, if you have a gym membership, go there, run on the treadmill, and watch Netflix. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> you know watch something on Netflix that that will keep you uh, engrossed. You can't watch like a slow burn drama like. I don't know, Gone with the Wind or like or, come, you know, watch like a three hour movie like Heat. Like you, you got to be watching like shit television that, you know, episodes are only like 30, 40 minutes long that that, you know, you, you kind of know when the end is in sight. But like, you know how long the episode is going to be. So if you stop, you know, 30 minutes in, then, you know, when are you going to find the, the next 10, the last 10 minutes to, or when are you going to find 10 minutes to watch the last 10 minutes of that episode? Right. Mm-hmm. Because the moment you stop running on that treadmill, you're going to you know get in the car and drive home. So, so you keep going. Then, <laughs> yeah. So you want to keep on going so you can finish it. So it's kind of like a almost a, 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 a double goal that you're trying to work towards. You're trying to finish your run, but you're also trying to finish the episode. So that's like that. Uh, 
Yeah, that that's what works for me. You know, granted, not everybody, you know, runs on uh, runs on treadmills these days. So I, I I can't help you if we're running outside. Um, other than maybe listening to some very very uh, immersive podcasts, if you will. So, uh, all right. Well, this uh, this about wraps it up. I, I want to tie this all back to our uh, the the twenty nineteen uh, the twenty nineteen mi- two thousand nineteen miles to water. Uh, project that we got going on it averages out to two miles a day per person from july 1st to the end of the year so doesn't mean that we have to run two miles every day we could you know big do big chunks of running at one time during the week uh but what 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 are some of the challenges that you see for yourself yeah i think just consistently running is it's it's just a difficult thing to do when you get busy um you start running out of time um just taking the enough time to get that into a habit it's, it's it's really hard to do you know at work you're going to be busy come home you're tired um and and 2 miles a day from 0 miles a day is actually quite a big jump <laughs> it is it is it really is <laughs> i feel for you guys it'll be even harder cuz at least i know i have a a self-motivation where I have to get some training in for the half marathon that my parents had me sign up for. <laughs> mom, mom and dad Woo still still making decisions in your life. Never stop. Never stop. We just talked about this, George. <laughs> but, but this time it's different because now I'm taking that and sort of making it into a bigger picture of what I want to do, which is train my own sub-discipline skills. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, in, in the in the past couple of months, I've been I've been exercising a little bit more and I've, I've talked about doing the Spartan race uh, on this pod. Uh, it, surprise or funny thing is, after doing the Spartan race, I was I was motivated to exercise even more, even though I don't know if I'm actually you know when the next time I'm going to do a Spartan race is. So I, I've been running at it at a pretty decent uh, at a decent rate. But you know th- this is still it's still a commitment like you said it's still a time commitment there's so many other things that that we want to do uh in our very very short days but it, you know th- this kind of takes me back to something that i uh, that i that i was reading back when i was doing t uh when i was doing sajib the um, the the master uh her name is uh Tsungyan, master Tsungyan. I i'm probably not even pronouncing it right she wrote a book called Life Economics, and it talks about, you know, how to get the best value of your time throughout the day. And really, I mean, she she thinks she comes up with some pretty kooky shit. Like you should, you know, only sleep six hours a night, and mm. uh, you know, each meal should only take you thirty minutes. Uh, you should never travel for leisure, you know, because it's a waste of time. If you have free time, you should be volunteering. You know, Hardcore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, granted, this is a woman who's never left Taiwan, but has started a uh, an international nonprofit, uh, you know, volunteer group that's in 64 countries now. So what she's done is very impressive, and you got to be in that the right mindset to do that. But really, the message of her book is, you know, if if you treat time like almost like money, and you you begin to understand what are your habits that are. Uh, that are a a waste of time or b performed inefficiently like you can easily make time to do the things that you 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 tell yourself right now you don't have time to do right like 
two miles a day, you know, at the rate that our fat asses run is like 20, 20 minutes, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there are so many things that we can be doing every day if we just sit back and reflect on, okay, like what, like how can we save time, you know, sitting in traffic? How can we save time, you know, uh, cooking dinner? How can we save time, you know, cutting out the kind of the luxuries that we have, like watching TV and, you know, like the moment you sit down and watch TV, it, it's almost like that. That's just that's just time you're you're throwing away. It, you know, it, it's kind of one way to look at it. You should at least be multitasking and doing something else. Stretching. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, stretching or, uh, you know, it, just thinking about ways that you can kind of maximize the, the this dead time that you have is is a way that you can start making time for these other commitments that we have. So. Uh, any last thoughts, Georgie, before uh, before we sign off? Really excited that I had you on. Uh, very happy to have Sharon, and I'm glad you invited me. And um, I'm, I'm impressed by your Spartan running. I think that's great, very motivational, <laughs> as well as this podcast as well. It's not easy to do, to continuously yeah. put out you know, good content to share. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to have uh, joined in on the effort. All right, that's about it. Thank you to all you listeners out there. This is the Ewing Bang Podcast. This is Emil Wang. This is George Blue. Keep, Keep on, on banging. banging.